Ladies and gentlemen, episode number 121 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we'll look back at all the drama and excitement that was from Pocono with Denny Hamlin securing the victory. We'll also look ahead to this weekend's race at Richmond and take a look at some of the top headlines going on in the sport as well as our uh, Ask David segment coming up at the end of today's show. I'm back. I was off last week. David's off this week. Uh, we're kind of all taking our summer vacation one week at a time uh, between the three of us. Dominic will be off here pretty soon, too. So uh, the time of year, everybody uh, certainly just, you know, enjoying themselves before we kick it in gear for the fall. But nonetheless, uh, Dominic, always a pleasure. Glad to be back on the show this week. David will be back next week. Uh, but we have no shortage of things to discuss. And... I, I got to say, uh, first and foremost, Dom, that just where we're at as a sport right now is pretty exciting, right? I mean, sure, is everything perfect? No. But I would say that based on just the excitement, the fact that we're talking about what we're about to examine here, I would say things are, are going pretty good. The The excitement, the drama week to week in the sport is good as it's been a long time right now. I think the only thing that's been a deterrent, if anything, but the racing's still been great, has been some of the rain issues and some of the weather issues. Right. It even rained at Pocono early Sunday morning, but that didn't really affect anything as far as getting this, the start time on time, the, the on-track activity. And even seeing the circumstances of the race coming down to a caution and, and ending the way it did, up until that point, still a really solid race and, and a lot of headlines. Tyler, when you look at all of it, Hamlin versus Bowman, Hamlin versus Larson, Dylan versus Reddick. Are, are we talking a NASCAR race or like UFC 245 here? Right. Uh, there were, there was a lot of uh, drama and excitement. This, this, this race at Pocono had a bit of everything. Let's start with uh, Denny Hamlin getting the win and, uh, we obviously know about the move that he put on Kyle Larson there. Kyle wasn't happy about it. Um, you know, Kyle made the comments that he made after the race saying that, you know, he thought it was a dirty move, that, you know, Denny's his friend and everything and certainly going to change how he races Denny in the future and that somehow everything's not Denny's fault and yada, yada, yada. I, I understand Kyle's frustration in the heat of the moment of him not getting that win and feeling like he got cheated. But you look at the tape, Dominic, uh, I don't think Denny did anything wrong. Doesn't look like he ever touched him. And it was two guys battling for the win. Kyle, unfortunately, for his sake, ended up on the short end of the stick. And Denny Hamlin got the job done. I think Denny would do that over again time and time again. I don't think Denny did anything wrong. And that was just hard racing and – uh, you know, the better man won that day. And, and I think, too, when you go back, Dustin Long said it on our show a few weeks ago about how NASCAR has just been even more and more transparent. And we know many of us, you and me, and, and a lot of the, our fellow listeners scour social media. We look through it and see what's going on during a race and after a race. And NASCAR was very quick on getting the onboard cameras, the side-by-side of Larson and Hamlin going off into that first corner with a, a few laps to go on that restart. And, and, and Tyler, you can just see it was two guys going for the same piece of real estate that ran out of real estate. You come out of turn one and maybe you can make the argument that both of them took it a little wide, but Larson in the wall, Hamlin chases the car down and blocks the run and momentum from Kevin Harvick in third. It was just great racing. They just happened to run out of a little bit of room and, and, and Kyle felt like he wasn't race good. And we saw that displeasure pan out under the caution flag a lap later where he hits him at the start finish line. But I'm with you, Tyler. I just, I, I think it was just Rubin's race and it was a racing deal. Yeah. I mean, simply put, and you know, I, I think some people are going to say Kyle's wrong and all this to react the way he does. Kyle, heat of the moment, right? You know I mean? I, I have no problem with any of it. What, what Denny did that move, and Kyle, even though he wasn't accurate, you know, he, he feels he was on the short of the stick and was in that car and 
in the heat of the moment and everything here, I'm sure looking back, Kyle probably would say to himself, yeah, I would have done the same thing Denny did. But, I mean, what are you going to do when you feel like you you got cheated out of a win like that anyway in that heat of the moment? Like, I, I have no problem with his reaction. Maybe later on, Kyle will say, you know what? I was wrong. What Denny did was all right, whatever. But until you see it for yourself and don't react emotionally here. I, I, I understand where Kyle's coming from too. It was raw emotion, that that pit lane interview that he had after the race. And you look at Kyle Larson and Pocono has been one of those tracks that has evaded Kyle Larson, much like how New Hampshire much did for Martin Truex's career until he got that win last Monday. Kyle Larson has come close to Pocono. We're talking a guy, I'll compare him to Dale Earnhardt in the Daytona 500. Kyle Larson was leading this race in 2021 on the last lap in the doubleheader Pocono race, and he blows the tire, and his teammate Alex Bowman goes by to win the race. You know there's a lot of frustration. There has to be a little bit of a weight on your shoulders at a racetrack. You know you've come so close, and you've led so many laps with different teams, and you have yet to win in this race. I'm sure that that stung even more so knowing that you were racing one of your best friends for the win. He's going to have to wait at least one more year to get another try at the Pocono race. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Heat of the moment, you know, raw emotion. And and the other thing, too, Dom, you and I, I think we've had this discussion numerous times. We always want drivers or athletes to show emotion, right, and to be themselves and have character and all that, not to be robots, not to give us non-answers. And Kyle felt one way. Sure, he wasn't accurate in the way he felt, but – I mean, I'm not gonna complain about it. He, he he was him he was himself. And to me, that's all we can ask for as as fans, as journalists, um, consumers. Like I, I want the these guys to be real, and that's what Kyle Larson was. Oh, exactly. You get out of the car and you have a microphone shoved in your face. No, that can't be easy. That's like when an athlete gets a microphone shoved off uh, shoved in their face off the football field after a tough loss on the gridiron or on the baseball diamond. We're getting the raw reaction from these drivers, and, and the same thing here with Kyle Larson. Tyler, I would argue of the current Cup Series field and all the drivers that, that of course, they have to do their media obligations. They talk to the media, and they're doing it week in and week out. Kyle Larson is as real as it gets, top five, top three, maybe even the most raw and most – were those emotions on your sleeve type of individual when it comes to how he feels behind the wheel? Kyle Larson, what you see is what you got. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, I, I like it from, from Kyle Larson. No problem with what he, he said there. As far as Denny Hamlin goes, getting that win, uh, he's been running good this season, but this was, I felt like a turning point moment of the season for Denny Hamlin. And I think also when you look at Denny Hamlin, we have seen, and you know, you go listen to his podcast or whatever it may be, uh, of him, you know, with the uh, feuds that he's been in, and and you know, being on the short end of the stick, you know, so many times, uh, you know, whether he's called out now, uh, you know, from the likes of Alex Bowman to uh, Ross Chastain and among others, whatever it may be, uh, I think it a lot of times Denny was kind of getting taken advantage of where he wasn't the aggressor. And this time we see him be the aggressor. I personally want to see more of that from Denny. I, I want to see him race guys hard and pace some guys back, whatever. And, and, you know, basically give no F's if you want to say it that way, he's, mm -hmm. he, you know, he's closer to the end of his career than he is at the beginning of this point, trying to still chase that number one champ, that first championship of his career here. I would love to see Denny just dry with that attitude and be willing to, you know, do whatever it takes to get these wins like that. I, I hope that this aggressiveness we saw from Denny is here to stay. I, I think it is. I think it is. And you have to imagine, too, when you have a chip on your shoulder when you've never won a championship at the top level of NASCAR or any of the three touring series, that that fills you even more, I would imagine. And, and, and I think that deserves a closer look, too, now, Tyler, with, with wins. We talked about on the show every week how a driver is – tied whatever driver on the wins list, you know you're in pretty damn good company if you're tying Ned Jarrett and Junior Johnson on the NASCAR all-time wins list. And, and even more important, too, Tyler, Junior Johnson and Denny Hamlin now are the two drivers, the two winningest drivers in NASCAR history that never won a title. Denny Hamlin's really making that argument for being the best driver at this time that has never won the championship. 
Yeah, 50 wins is a remarkable accomplishment. And, you know, I heard Denny say a while back that he has accepted that he might not ever be a NASCAR Cup Series champion in his career, and he's okay with that. But that's not going to let him define who he is in his legacy. And that early in his career, you know, or even as recently a few years ago, that was a big problem for him mentally was not winning that championship. I think with the Daytona 500 wins he's had, getting 50 race wins, uh, we've seen his attitude that he says whatever he feels. Um, like we mentioned, no no Fs. I, I like this Denny Hamlin, the older Denny Hamlin that uh, does not care what anyone else thinks. He's going to race his race. He's going for wins. He's going for championships. And he's not doing it to please anybody else. He's doing it for himself. Oh, certainly, certainly. And and, and the thing, too, Tyler, 50 wins. Can you look at the all-time wins list? Let's even back up. You have had close to 3,000 drivers make an ASCAR Cup Series points awarding start since 1949 to 2023. Of those, a handful over 200 have won a cup race. And when you start breaking that down even more, only 15 drivers have won 50 races or more. So Danny Hamlin's an elite company. We know he's a future Hall of Famer. And, and I think it's worth, worth noting here, too. So Kevin Harvick was the last driver to hit that 50-win mark. And, and he did it on the Real Heroes 400 at Darlington in 2020. That first race, NASCAR came back from the pandemic. Two months out, Harvick secures his 50th win. Now, Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick are the longest it takes to get to that 50 win mark. 635 stars for Hamlin, 687 for Harvick. I got to ask you, I'll, I'll throw, I'll put you on the spot here and ask you a trivia question. Who was the quickest to 50 wins? Uh, was it Jeff Gordon? It was. It was Jeff Gordon at 232 stars. Okay. So outlasting Daryl Waltrip, David Pearson, Jimmy Johnson, the King Richard Petty, some of these guys in 300 and 400 stars, which is still impressive. But, man, Denny Hamlin, I mean, you, you name these guys, he's in very elite company, Tyler. And I mean, no more wins than some of the notable names like Tony Stewart, uh, more wins than, you know, a, a number of Hall of Fame drivers on that list. And past champions, Joey Logano, Terry Labonte, Kurt Busch. Martin Truex Jr., so many drivers. Yeah, Denny's had a great career. He's got nothing to hang his head on. Um, and there's still more exciting things left to come. We'll see if he competes for that championship. Uh, he and Bowman, we mentioned he and Larson. Uh, we know about Denny and his history with Denny Hamlin as well. Um, you know, when you look at Hendrick Motorsports, Dominic, they have like a cult following, right? The people that root for... Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, for the most part, were fans of Dale Jr., Jeff Gordon, and Jimmy Johnson. Um, it seems like that it, that Denny is uh, established a rivalry between him versus Hendrick Motorsports at this point. So it certainly seems like it has. I mean, you just look at Pocono. He got into a scuffle with half the drivers. He's gotten it on track with Chase Elliott in the past. And, I mean – you even look back early in his career, Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with these guys. There is a history of Denny Hamlin versus Hendrick Motorsports, for sure. Yeah, and, like, what's next? Like, is William Byron ready for what's coming? I, I don't know, man. I think William Byron he pales in comparison to Denny Hamlin. He's got a very promising career ahead of him, but I think it's just a matter of time before we hear about something with the 11 and the 24 on track again doing something. Hey, that 11 and 24 have clashed before, and most recently with Chase Elliott driving that 24 in Martinsville and, and the whole spin out with a few laps to go for the last playoff spot. Man, Denny Hamlin is no stranger to controversy, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, another controversy, Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon – Former teammates, Former teammates. Uh, at RCR Racing for a number of years. Now Tyler Reddick, of course, at 23-11. Uh, Austin Dillon not having a very good year this year at RCR. Uh, uh, for folks that missed it, Dominic, what happened between these two on Sunday? So it was in the closing lap, stage three. They're going for about 11th, 12th place. They go into turn one, and I'm just looking at the replays and, and seeing what happened. It appeared to be a racing deal, much like the – the Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin incident. Tyler Reddick has his nose ahead of Austin Dillon on the high line going off into turn one. Reddick comes down and, or I'm sorry, let's reverse that. Austin Dillon has his nose ahead of Tyler Reddick. Reddick's on the inside. 
Dylan's on the outside. They go off into turn one, and Dylan came down. Reddick was there. There was no place to go. Dylan spins out, comes back up, hits the outside retaining wall, smashes the car. He's done. He's out of the race. He proceeds to get out of the car and in an ill attempt, poorly through his helmet. We can objectively say poorly through his helmet at the 45 cars. They circled back under caution, did not hit the 45, but not, hey, not quite is, like uh, Michael Waltrip to Robbie Gordon there. Yeah, not quite that. Or Tony Stewart to Matt Kenseth did not nail the shot, Tyler. Oh, man. I that's so funny to me and that it worked out that way. And, and, you know, I I think that between that and some of the other stuff we talked about, we, we open up the show saying this has been such an exciting year and there's so much bad blood and intensity going on. How much of this you think carries over to later in the season, whether it's between guys running for the championship or guys that are out of the picture here. Like if you're, Austin Dillon, for example, um, you're not going to win the championship this year. You're probably going to do everything you can to help Kyle Busch win the championship. Um, you know, who's to say that Austin Dillon doesn't operate like a decoy of some sorts and, you know, does everything to help Kyle and screws over Tyler Reddick uh, later on here? Like, to me, there's some interesting factors for later in the season uh, that could come up again, like Ross versus Denny Hamlin is certainly not reached its last chapter by any stretch of the imagination here. Like how much of this stuff you think is going to linger on and affect the playoff here? Well, you got to imagine drivers have long-term memories and whether they, even if they don't try to retaliate, you know, NASCAR has come down very hard on drivers for retaliating, especially at the mile and a half tracks. We know that's not going to happen, but who's not to say a Martinsville or a Bristol or, you know, even at these mile and a half, maybe Austin Dillon makes his, Rear bumper a little wider when he sees that 45 car coming in the mirror. He's not going to cut him a break like he used to. And and Austin Dillon did say in that in his post-race interview, or at least after his crash, that he says he feels like he needs to start wrecking people. And he's implying that maybe he's been walked all over on the racetrack over the years and needs to be a little tougher on the track. I got to imagine, Tyler, that carries over to future races, and he's less likely to cut Tyler Reddick a break on the racetrack, whether that be letting him in the line at Bristol because he got freight trained or Austin Dillon's a couple laps down somewhere and Reddick's fighting for a win and he chooses to be a little harder on Reddick. Just some sample scenarios that we could see. Yeah, yeah, we could see that uh, certainly at some point. Ty Gibbs gets his first career top five finish. Uh, we saw Ty Gibbs race fairly well last year, filling in at 23-11 at the end of the season uh, when Kurt Busch was injured, but his start to his cup career with Joe Gibbs Racing has left a lot to be desired. Let's put it that way. I think we expected more out of uh, Ty Gibbs uh, to this point this year. And really, the rookie class as a whole has not done that great. Noah Gregson's had an awful uh, rookie season so far to this point. But as far as Ty Gibbs goes, uh, uh, was this a breakthrough performance, getting that top five? Uh, do you think we're going to see Ty Gibbs run up front some more? What do you make of what we saw from Ty Gibbs? You got to think momentum breeds momentum. And, and recall, too, this is the first – this is the one-year anniversary of Ty Gibbs coming in to the Cup Series and filling in because this is the weekend that Kurt Busch had his practice or his qualifying crash, rather, had the concussion-like symptoms and has still not been cleared to race to this day. Ty Gibbs fills that role for a majority of the season in that 45, and he ran quite well. He had a lot of good lap times at Pocono, ran a clean race, ran the whole laps. And you got to feel like that came full circle this past week and running a top five – race qualifying really high collecting stage points prior to this tyler his best finish in the cup series was the ninth place run four different times so we know gibbs does have the speed and you got to imagine yeah it's his rookie year he's still learning a lot but the a sign of things to come um do you think we're going to see ty gibbs in victory lane at some point this year and if so does it happen before the playoff because he's basically in a position where he needs a win to get in we got five races before the playoffs start, and two of those are road courses, and one of them is a super speedway tapered spacer race. So maybe one of those are the best chances because Tyler Gibbs won his first NASCAR National Series race on the Daytona road course in 2021. We know he's a, a solid road course racer. He could put a great race together at Indianapolis or maybe Watkins Glen. And then, as we've seen, Daytona is such a wild card. Anything could happen there. Yeah, yeah, very well could. Uh, watching out for Ty Gibbs. We'll see what he does. I think 
the top five finish for him, obviously a big accomplishment, but I think Dom, it goes more towards what Joe Gibbs Racing is doing right now. They're really kicking it in gear and figuring out what we've seen the last couple of weeks with Denny getting that win, Martin Truex the week prior. Um, Joe Gibbs Racing as a whole right now has has got something figured out. So they've, they've found some speed here the last couple of weeks. And I would even throw Christopher Bell in there. The finishes don't really match how well the performance has been. He was the odds-on favorite to win at New Hampshire. And he even said he made a simple driving error in the closing laps that contributed to that wreck. And we've seen this speed. And he said that the team, as, as a collective, the organization, the 20 team, the driver of the 20 car, they need to finish off races. They need to put full races together, but they have the raw speed. And and that 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 needs to be accounted for for something. You know that that twenty team is really fast. Joe Gibbs Racing certainly looking like the best team right now. Yeah, they're they're, they're running really well at this point. Um, you know, you, you look across the board, just some of these teams where they're at right now. Joe Gibbs Racing's looking really good. Um, you know, Hendrick, it's it's a tale of two sides, isn't it? Right now, Dom. I mean, Byron and Larson are running really good. And Chase Elliott and William and, and Alex Bowman are are just off. Now I, I know that in the past they've done it where Hendrick Motorsports was divided into basically two garages. Um, I don't know what their setup is right now, but I, I would just have to guess if I were to guess right now, the five and twenty-four are one side, and <laughs> the forty-eight, the nine are on the other because it's they're in two different worlds. That organization is right now, and that used to be this setup. It was Casey Kane and Jeff Gordon working together with Jimmy Johnson and Dale Earnhardt Jr. working in their own kind of separate thing on the Hendrick Motorsports campus. And, and you're right; I don't know, I can't speak to what that setup looks like today, or if they're all under the same house, or how exactly that is. But Tyler had somebody with a crystal ball without context. Told you at the beginning of the year, we'd be talking about Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott fighting for playoff spots on points and without wins this late in the regular season. What would you have said? With Bowman, I wouldn't have been surprised. Chase, I would have been surprised. Um, and, and, you know, people are going to point to with Chase that, you know, the, the leg injury, the suspension. But even when he's been out there, it's not like he's finishing second or coming close. Like, Chase isn't running that great. He looks like a quiet nursing at home eighth to 10th place race car, which again, I think most drivers would love that. Most drivers in that field would, would, would be very, very happy with the, the results Chase Elliott's putting, but those are not Chase Elliott, Hendrick Motorsports up to par caliber results. And with Alex Bowman, Tyler, he is not finished in the top 10, even before his leg injury. So he opened the year with six top 10 finishes in the first seven races. He was the points leader for a few weeks they had the penalty at Richmond. He has the injury on the dirt track in April. He's out for a few weeks. His best finish since he came back was a 12th place finish in the Coke 600. Now, he was on his way to a third place finish at Pocono before the air got sucked up from behind him in turn three, wiped out, finished 21st. But we really have not, outside of Pocono, have seen speed from Alex Bowman. And, and again, Chase Elliott, we've seen speed, but not the Chase Elliott speed we're used to seeing. Right. Uh, one more note from this weekend, then uh, we'll move ahead to uh, Richmond here. Daniel Suarez and uh, Joey Logano, both those guys crashed out. Um, we know Joey's in the playoff, not a big problem. Daniel Suarez, though, it is extremely competitive for those final playoff spots, and that was that was costly for Daniel there. Very, very much costly. And you, you talk a guy that is in a situation where he's pointing his way in, at that point, I mean, he, he came off that second place finish in Atlanta, ran decent New Hampshire, and goes out and finishes last in a crash, gets caught up in that restart mess in turn one in stage one didn't, or stage two. Didn't collect any stage points. Very big for the drivers that have not won races and are, every point matters. Tyler, I, I can't believe we're talking too about another guy. So we were talking about Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott, guys that have made the playoffs. Daniel Suarez made the playoffs for the first time in his career last season in that track house car with that win at Sonoma. They were locked in for three months. He doesn't even know if he's going to be racing for a championship in 2023. He's got five more chances to knock off a win and get that guaranteed. We've seen how good of a road course racer he is. But, man, if, if there's no new winners and you're talking just a point situation, it's not looking good for Daniel Suarez. No, it's not, not looking good at all. Um, but there are some tracks and road courses and such that – uh, Daniel's run good at in the past, so we'll see uh, how that shakes out. Uh, 
moving on now, this weekend, going to Richmond. We usually don't go to Richmond this time of year. It feels kind of odd. Uh, it does. But nonetheless, here we are. Denny Hamlin, traditionally speaking, has been very good at this racetrack. Coming off a win, Joe Gibbs Racing, we mentioned how strong they've been as of late. Um, is Denny the favorite to go back-to-back -back here, you think? You got to think. I mean, sports odd makers at this time are not saying that he is the odds-on favorite. You have Martin Truex at a 9-2 to odds favorite to win the cookout 400 at Richmond. But Denny Hamlin priced at 13-2, to so 6.5 to 1. Man, you got you to think Denny Hamlin, Virginia, Richmond. I mean, it's his home track. He's run traditionally well there across his career. Tyler, I, I think I remember hearing a stat that he's run all but maybe 25 laps in his entire career there. So my understanding is he's never DNF. Same with Kyle Busch. This one was fascinating. Jeff Gluck was the one from a friend of the show to point this out on Twitter earlier this week, that in his entire time in the Cup Series, over 30-some starts at Richmond, and multiple winner at the track, Kyle Busch, Tyler, has an average finish of seven at Richmond and has only not completed one lap. He had a one lap down finish a few years back, but he has been on the lead lap in every Richmond race that he's been a part of with the exception of that one. Impressive. Yeah. Very, very impressive. We have a lot of guys to look at this weekend. Yeah. Um, Richmond too, pretty, uh, you know, good track record of racing. Uh, you know, I, I think we raced there on a Monday earlier this year, right? Uh, I, I, I keep, losing track with Dover. All the we raced over on a monday Dover, that's what it was okay um but richmond what, what do we think here like i i would expect that we're going to get an exciting race at this point i mean this track very similar to phoenix and, and such uh what, what what do you think that the action that we'll see uh this weekend here and we'll see how that short track package works out for the cup series we, we've seen some of these next gen races not necessarily produce the most exciting results and the most exciting side-by-side -side comers and goers kind of racing that we're used to with the next-gen car. I mean, Ryan Blaney in this race last year opened the event with, I think, the first 150 laps led or 200 laps led. You go back to Martinsville earlier that year and William Byron leading a majority of the race. I don't think we're going to see that this time around, Tyler. I think we'll see this new package come to play. And and and, and, I'm, and I'm spacing here on the specifics on what's going into it, but you know NASCAR has worked on this and they've had tests. Got to imagine the racing this weekend is going to just build off the momentum that we saw at New Hampshire, that we saw at Pocono, that we saw at Atlanta. It's been a great summer series for NASCAR. It has. It has. Now, here's something for you uh, when it comes to Richmond. We talked about the how well JGR is running right now. Um, besides Josh Berry, uh, who has the best average finish there of any other driver <laughs> with an average finish of two, uh, <laughs> we'll take him out of the equation here for a second. H here are the top three, Dom, of best average finishes at, at Richmond. Martin Truex, 5.0. Christopher Bell, 5.7. Denny Hamlin, 6.8. Um, and then, you know, obviously you're going to have, uh, you know, Ty Gibbs all the way back there at, 29th and 22.5 but uh ty gibbs aside jgr running really good and this is one of their best tracks and yeah uh, you don't have to be a genius to look to jgr here no definitely not i think jgr has his place mapped out figured out really really well it's been a strong point track for the organization over the years you got to imagine a JGR cars are going to be in contention. If it's not multiple or even JGR cars themselves fighting for the win in those closing stages, you know, a JGR car is going to sit on that front row, if not the pole. And I think when we look at the, the leaderboard and, and the stat sheet at the end of the cookout 400 Sunday, Joe Gibbs racing cars are going to lead the most laps. All right. Let me ask you this. Um, besides saying the names Chase Elliott or Alex Bowman, who is a guy on the outside uh, that's not in the playoff or or at least hasn't clinched a win yet uh, that you think has the best chance to get a win of this Sunday? Who would it be? Oh, man. So that's a really good question. So you, you look at some of these guys that really need this must-win situation. I, I mean, A.J. Allmendinger, you look back at his first in the Cup Series, and, and, and Richmond was one of those tracks where he ran pretty decent. Maybe somebody like an A.J. Allmendinger shocks us. And, and we've seen him run well at Martinsville. We've seen him run well at Bristol. Maybe an A.J. Allmendinger is somebody, or a Justin Haley, maybe somebody out of the college camp. Somebody that you know is probably going to need a win to get into the playoffs. 
one of those organizations, I think, is somebody to look out for this this weekend. And you know, I think Daniel Suarez as well, looking at how good he is. He's become such a well-rounded driver. And, and, and let's be honest, he is better at track house than when he was at Joe Gibbs Racing. Maybe, maybe necessarily that top-tier equipment didn't work out for him the way it did for some of these other drivers. But Daniel Suarez is in arguably the prime of his Cup Series career to this point. Maybe somebody like that. And, and, and I'll even go on a limb and go with Dark Horse pick here, Tyler. Maybe somebody like Michael McDowell gets on the right track position, gets on the right strategy, could lead a bunch of laps, maybe knock off that second for a win. Uh, I got a name for you uh, that, I mean, he is going to make the playoff uh, on points, but he's still looking for his first win. We've talked about it a lot on this show. Uh, since David is not here, I'll, I'll make this for David's pick for him. Don't sleep on Kevin Harvick. Uh, I know Ford has really struggled this year, but I always feel like Kevin is going to get the most out of those Fords as he can. Um, wherever Kevin finishes is probably the best Ford could possibly do. Um, he finished fifth here earlier this year. He's got a great history at this track. Um, this might be Kevin Harvick's best shot to get a victory this year uh, in his retirement tour here. Well, no, it's a solid pick, too, and in- in- – Last year, when he was going on almost two years of not winning a cup race, he knocked off the back-to-back wins, Michigan and then Richmond. So Richmond is his final cup series win to this point. That's a solid pick, Tyler. I mean... That, yeah, that would be the pick for me. If if I'm not allowed to take Chase or Alex, if a guy that hasn't won yet, yeah, Kevin would be the one I'd point to. Even just an overall pick, that is a very solid pick. You know Kevin Harvick's going to be in that top 10 at the end of that race. So as commitment to the bit uh, of the last couple of weeks, I'll take Chase Elliott to win this week, uh, every week until he wins, uh, if we're doing so. But in actuality, I can't not pick Denny Hamlin at this point, uh, based on the way he's running right now. He's he's the guy. So uh, for my unofficial official pick, uh, you know, stick with the bit and we'll go Chase Elliott. But in actuality, Denny Hamlin's who I like this week. Uh, is Denny your pick, too, here, Dom? Yeah, I've been mulling it over the last couple of minutes. I, I think it's going to be Martin Truex Jr. taking the win. Okay. Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex are going to be up front a lot, but it will be a Joe Gibbs car racing, a Joe Gibbs racing car that goes to victory lane. Man, you can make the argument for either. I'll go Martin Truex Jr. just to be different, but Denny Hamlin, Truex, I would not be surprised if either of them's in victory lane Sunday. Yeah, I think so. Uh, maybe that's the parlay bet is to bet both those two in the top three or something. <laughs> As far as that goes, but nonetheless, uh, our uh, news and notes segment coming up next, our Ask David segment at the end of the show. Dom, go ahead and uh, lead us with uh, our headlines this week. You know, silly season's always going to throw a curveball, and the 2023 season is no exception. Last week came out of the blue. I, I will say objectively, Tyler, this came out of the blue, that Justin Haley is taking his talents to Rick Ware Racing. Rick Ware Racing announced that Justin Haley will be piloting one of their vehicles come 2024 in the NASCAR Cup Series in a multi-year deal. The details of the agreement are not known at this time, how many years that is, etc. But we know that Justin Haley, who has been with Colleague Racing in the Xfinity and the Cup Series for multiple years, this is his second season in that 31 car full-time, will not return. We knew it was a contract year, and, and, and Tyler, we saw him finish second there at the Chicago Street course, and he'd said he gives him leverage for his negotiations. But when you hear Rick Ware Racing, Justin Haley, there's got to be more to the story because just on the surface, you hear that, it doesn't make sense. No. Um, I know Colleague isn't where they want to be yet. Um, that The progress as an organization probably – isn't where they thought they would be at this point in time, that they've been disappointing to an extent. Um, But with that said, that is a team that is ascending, that is headed the right direction, I think we can all objectively say. Um, Meanwhile, Rick, we're racing, with all due respect to uh, our buddy Tim uh, over there. Um, It's been a a disaster, a dumpster fire. I mean, every – thing you want to call it that's been Rick Ware racing they have been a mess for several years and I understand they got this RFK racing partnership and and all that and and that sounds great uh for them to you know have that alliance but the truth of the matter is Ford sucks right now and RFK racing although they're improved this year from where they were last year they're still not winning races so 
I mean, to me, this is just, this is weird. Like, it tells me either that, one, Justin Haley was not going to be allowed to come back to college racing, or two, he's got some type of offer he just couldn't simply refuse. Maybe Rick Ware is really stepping up their program and investing here, but I, I tend to think that Justin Haley was probably being pushed out because right before that race in Chicago, I think all of us were saying, like, pressure's on Justin Haley. He's got to step it up if he wants to keep that ride, and – who knows? Maybe he was already told his contract wasn't going to renewed before that Chicago race anyway. So a lot of moving parts. I think for Rick Ware Racing, I'll say this, this is a good signing for them, but I'm skeptical for Justin Haley of uh, making this move to Rick Ware Racing. I don't know. I, he may have been better off going back to the Xfinity Series full-time with a powerhouse team than making this move. Potentially. And, and, and to give the, I guess, devil's advocate side of that with Rick Ware Racing, just seeing the the moves they've made, I guess they they had their issue with Cody Ware in April, and and they've had this rotation of drivers in. But you got to imagine you're getting feedback from JJ Haley, a journeyman driver who's running a majority of these races, and you have Ryan Newman coming in, Cole Custer, a lot of these guys that have a lot of Cup experience that have won races at the Cup Series level, and then now you bring in Justin Haley, another Cup Series winner. It, it's you're right. This this is more the big winner is Rick Ware Racing in this move than Justin Haley. But then again. Justin. And those guys you mentioned too, Justin Haley, um, Ryan Newman, Cole Custer, all of them showed dramatic improvement, comparatively speaking, to when Cody Ware was in that car. Oh, absolutely, objectively. I mean, I think Ryan Jensen, Newman, Bu Jensen Button too. Oh, exactly. Ryan Newman out qualifying that fifty-one car in its best qualifying effort outside of Super Speedway when he ran at Darlington. It's cool to see the Rocket Man back. And, and yeah, we know he's not going to win, but nice to see him helping out other organization. You know, maybe, Tyler, we look back on this five, ten years from now. Look at the the humble beginnings of Furniture Row Racing in 2005 and, and hiring Jerry Robertson and Kenny Wallace coming to do some races and then him full-time. That didn't work out. They bring in Joe Nemechek. That doesn't work. They bring in Regan Smith. That didn't work out. And they bring in Kurt Busch. They started seeing some results. Martin Truick took a huge step backwards in 14 before they took 20 steps forward. So championship winning team 10, 15 years from now, I don't know. But you got to imagine if you're making the right moves, you're wanting to have a consistency with at least one driver behind one of the cars full time. That is a step in the right direction. Meanwhile, a colleague, um, you know, they get some smart people. Matt Colleg, I think, is uh, brilliant. Uh, I think he's one of the best things to happen to the sport you know i mean everybody talks about uh you know what we've seen with the track house organization justin marks he's done great and and you know michael jordan with 2311 i think matt collard is special and he's going to be a great owner uh you know and, and he's proved that in the xfinity series you know um but let's be real here with what's going on at collard right now is a bit of a mess themselves um we've heard rumblings that AJ might want to go back to the Xfinity series where he could contend for championships there that, you know, their cup program's just not where it needs to be right now. Losing Justin Haley here. Where does this organization go from here? Um, you know, do they hit the reset button? Do they send AJ back to Xfinity and get two whole new drivers there? I mean, it, it doesn't seem like that there's a clear direction of where this team goes from here. I think if you want to have some clear direction, you need to keep A.J. Allendinger in that seat at least one more year and get that two-year commitment out of him in that 16 car. Maybe you promote a rookie to the Cup Series in Chandler Smith. He's been very impressive in that Xfinity Series car for colleague. Maybe that's the call. Or, hey, silly season is surprising. Maybe somebody else in that car. Now, now, what if A.J., though, says, like, hey, I'm not happy. I want to compete for championship. It goes back to Xfinity. Like, that's that's a tough position to be in. And, and that's what it sounds like. The rumblings is that it's – if AJ goes back to the Xfinity Series, it's because he wants to go back to the Xfinity Series. Not that he's being forced, yeah. And, I mean, there's, what, eight road courses in the Cup Series every year. You know that when Colley went racing in the Cup Series in full-time with AJ, the thought was AJ's going to win one of those and put us in the playoffs, like how he won at Indianapolis in 2021. That hasn't panned out yet, but if we're looking outside looking in, because that's what we are. We're speculating at this point. Right. but. They are in a position where they could still, on points, make it into the playoffs. And if there's no new winners, who's not to say A.J. Allmendinger makes the playoffs? He could make a deep run. Now, he was eliminated in that first round, and the only time he made the Cup Series playoffs in 2014. 
but he did put together a good string of races in that last 10. He almost finished top 10 in points. I believe he's 11th in points in 2014. So maybe some good runs, build some momentum. We'll see what happens with Almondinger in that 16 car. And there's still opportunities for him to get in the playoff with a win, too, with some road courses coming up here soon. So, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll watch out and see what happens. What else going on, Dom? Well, we, we know Denny Hamlin, 50 wins. Great storyline. But in that press conference, Joe Gibbs, team owner of Joe Gibbs Racing, was asked, so where's the future here with Danny? Point blank. And and he jokes. He goes, oh, he's going to be here the next 10 years. Smiles on his face. But he said, but in all seriousness, no, Danny Hamlin will be here in 2024. So we know that missing variable, these rumblings of, is Danny Hamlin coming back? Is he not coming back? We know FedEx has re-signed to 2024. Granted, they've been scaling back their sponsorship with the 11 team over the years. But we know that FedEx is back, Tyler, and we know that Denny Hamlin will be back in his 19th full-time season in the number 11 FedEx car for Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah, um, it makes sense. And it lines up with everything Denny's talked about. He says that he wants to be in the 11 car as long as FedEx and Toyota and Joe Gibbs are all there, and they're all there. So – I think Denny is eventually going to go to 2311 Racing to finish his said career, but I don't think that's right now. I think that's down the road and eventually brings the 11 car over there and completes the marriage that is 2311 Racing uh, at some point in time. But at, at this juncture, I mean, if you're Denny Hamlin, Dom, you're not going to find it any better than what you got. It. Uh, he and Chris Gabehart are a terrific combination Best crew chief I think he's ever had. Uh, you know, FedEx, great partner. He's got some other good sponsors behind, besides that. Toyota loves him. Joe Gibbs loves him. He's winning races. Um, and we talked about we're seeing a more aggressive Denny Hamlin than we've seen ever before. Um, there, there, there's no reason for Denny to step aside and make that move over to 2311 right now. This is one of the most consistent and longest-running partnerships we've seen in NASCAR Cup Series history. One, one driver. One team, one car number, one sponsor. You think back on that in recent memory and, and across NASCAR history, there's not that many, Tyler. You have Jeff Gordon in the 24 car. And even then, you know, Exalta, or, or known by DuPont, you know, stepped back and they weren't the primary anymore. You know, he finished with uh, AARP with the drive-in hunger. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, his last couple of years, we always think that 48 Lowe's car – ally came in to finish jimmy's career uh i mean it would be pretty storybook if if denny can stay with fedex this uh, entire time you know even even in his pjs yeah, even his pjs absolutely there's not that many partnerships you, you have to think like richard petty in the 43 stp dale Earnhardt, gm goodrich in that number three car now granted he had wrangler and all these different partnerships too but Pretty much one sponsor his entire career, and everybody knows him for it. That will be Denny Hamlin. We'll look back 25, 30 years from now. Even if he wins a race with 2311 Racing, they're going to show the highlights of him driving that 11 car. Well, and I was thinking about this. So you have that NASCAR ad that we see uh, during races where it says, you know, this is this race is uh, brought to you with the, you know, exclusive uh, – Content cannot be retransmitted, you know, and all that. We know the disclaimer that they run during every race. And it shows all these legendary cars. And then they get to Denny's car. And you're like, huh? The, the Denny doesn't belong <laughs> in, in this with Jeff Gordon and uh, Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt, and Richard Petty. But you think about it, like with Kyle Busch leaving the 18 now, there's nothing I think that's been more – uh, iconic or uh, if you want to put it uh, you know long-term identity that that car is the longest serving identity car and driver in the sport right now for the last you know couple decades here oh big time big time like like I was saying Jeff Gordon the 24 but all the different sponsorship changes Denny Hamlin's had FedEx this entire time and and, and going back to that example like Tyler we know there's a lot of sports fans that listen to this show like me, a lot of Packers fans. I was a Brett Favre fan, and they show all these Brett Favre highlights. They don't show his time as a Jet. They don't show his time as a Falcon or a Viking, for that matter. They show all his Packers highlights. We're going to see that with Danny Hamlin, that 11 car. That 11 car is iconic with Danny Hamlin and Junior Johnson and, and the history of the sport. Danny Hamlin has carved out his own piece with that 11. And 
maybe he can win the championship this year. Pull out Bobby Allison. Bobby Allison won a title late in his career, finished runner-up in points four times before he won his first championship. Maybe we see that with Denny Hamlin before it's all said and done. He was my preseason pick to win the title on this show when we did the, the 100th episode with David in Daytona. I still think that's true. Hamlin gets that title this year, Tyler. Okay. Well, uh, we'll see. I, I want to put a pass in. We'll, we'll definitely keep tabs on that. Final segment, our Ask David segment. No David here this week, but time to ask questions uh, for us. Uh, you can submit those to us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, at Star Podcast by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. So here's what we're going to do for Ask David this week. Um, Dominic and I are each going to ask each other a question that we've always wanted to know. Um, now, what you see is what you get. I'll, I'll say this. Dominic and I are two of our, the best of friends. You know, like what everything you see between us is authentic. And, and David, too. David, not even just, you know, we, we were friends with David before this podcast, too. Um the, between the three of us, like what you see is what you get is real. We we are very close between the three of us. So we do know a lot about each other. But obviously there's always there's things you don't know about everybody uh, completely. So what we'll do this week is me and Dominic are each going to ask each other a question that we don't know about each other. Or at least we don't think we know about each other. So, Dominic, I'll let you start. You ask me. What uh, what you've always wanted to ask me, whatever it may be. Well, I'm already going to break the rules on this. I was thinking about this before we started the show, what these rules were going to be. I'm going to ask you a question and then a follow-up to it. So I don't Ooh, know if that counts okay. as one or maybe two. But no, no, it's just being a, a big J. Okay. All right. There we go. So my question for you, Tyler, we know we the show, the, the fans that have interacted with us at the racetrack, all the people we've come across. And, and outside, I know you do other stuff outside of the show, too. The one constant you hear... Tyler's big booming voice. You know what Tyler does based on his voice. So first question on this two-parter. When was the first time you were told? How old were you? Paint that picture for us. When was the first time you were told you had a broadcasting voice? What was your reaction? Man, I, I think it was probably uh, sometime after puberty hit, you know, when I was 13 or 14. And, uh, you know, people saying, you know, I, I had a voice broadcasting or something that, you know, something I should go into of sorts. Uh, I think it was probably then. Before that, the thing was for me, before I ever even sounded this way, before puberty hit or anything like that, was growing up, I was such a big sports fan, enjoyed talking about it with my friends so much that, you know, my friends or uh, teachers, coaches, whatever, would tell me growing up, like, you need to be a sports broadcaster. You enjoy talking about it so much. In fact, I enjoyed talking about it more than I did playing. Uh, that's probably why I quit playing sports after my sophomore year of high school. So that that would probably be the, the timetable of sorts. Uh, you know, I, I think I would still be in this business even if I didn't, you know, talk the way I do. But it certainly doesn't hurt. And, and uh not trying to, you know, toot my own horn by any means, but about everywhere I go, somebody brings it up to an extent. Sure. No, I've, I've been there. Guys, oh, yeah, everybody's oh, You can tell what Tyler does for a really, It's pretty cool. But to, to follow up on that, too, like you hear about these, these child prodigies, right? Like, let's say, for example, Lewis Hamilton. Very rarely do you have somebody that is told they're good. They, they are good. They actually live up to it. And you certainly have, like, being in the industry that you are. So hearing that as a kid, so here's my question for that. So hearing that as a kid through puberty and, and, and all through high school that you should pursue broadcasting and sports, I mean, how much of an influence did that have on you? And did you feel that pressure? Like you hear about child prodigies having pressure to perform and, and to not disappoint. Did you ever feel pressure surrounded with that as well? You know, I, I would say this, and I still almost feel like this to an extent to this day, is, you know, I started so young and figured what I wanted to do. You know, I started the Jones Report, which we still ha air to this day, you know, here on the Studio Soapbox Network, um, when I was 15, you know, 12 years ago, right? And the, the thing for me was starting that young, I thought I had such a head start on everyone else that I had a timeline of like, okay, I got to be at this point. I got these things, these places to go and these things I got to accomplish. I got to be calling these events, whatever it may be by a certain age. Um, and 
what I quickly learned and realized is, you know, hey, uh, you know, I, I don't have the last name that some of these broadcasters do. You know, like the, typically the ones that were, were getting the big jobs were uh, those that, you know, were related to somebody that was a big time broadcaster or something like that. And, and uh, I, I'm not the jealous type. I, I don't envy that, you know, more power to them. You know, if that was me, I'd, you know, I'd welcome that opportunity too. But for me, that's what I looked at was like, uh, always feeling like I had to reach a certain point by age, not falling behind of some sorts. And uh, to be where I am now from where I started, uh, I'm certainly grateful and glad I reached this point, uh, Dominic, uh, of where I'm at now and getting to do this show with you and David every week. Uh, we have a lot of fun on this show. I can't believe we've been doing this two and a half years. But, yeah, those are those are probably some questions I had been wondering about you. You know, Tyler and I, we're very open and honest with each other. We we share a lot and we talk a lot about life on this show and off the air as well. But I'd never really asked you that. I, that that had been something I'd been thinking about because when you hear again, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, but if you hear that you have this quality or this trade or or whatever it may be, oftentimes you hear about like people saying, "Oh, I felt pressure." Like there was a lot of external forces at work, and, and you know, how do you respond to that pressure? Right. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, for sure. And, and you know, I, I think you have to control what you control is the main thing, you know, and put your best foot forward and and just give your best, treat people well, and everything's going to work out one way or the other. So Absolutely. that's how I look at it. All right. Here, here's my question for you. OK, you. this is a wholly this is a totally different route, though. I'll, I'll tell you this ahead of time. Uh, I, I want to know, Dom, what, what attracted you? The racing was your dad involved, your uncle, uh, your cousin. Like, what, what got you in to being a motorsports connoisseur? Yeah, I feel like I've heard that question before, but I've never really been asked it myself. So I appreciate you asking me that. No, I, it, it's weird because my whole family's not in motorsports. I, you ask anybody. That's dad. Really, your uncle's not involved. <laughs> my dad, my uncle. I mean, my uncle, my my dad's brother. Belen, New Mexico. He restores vehicles and, and old classic cars. And he was a big NASCAR fan, but really didn't see a lot of him when I was young and heard of my dad working on cars and that sort of thing. But what really sparked it for me was getting the NASCAR 99 video game from Santa Claus for Christmas when I was four or five years old. So did and Santa just take a guess and give you that game? I think so. Because in that, that realm of games with NASCAR 99, Hot Wheels Turbo Racing, Toy Story, Bugs Life. There was a variety of games. And I think Santa just wanted to kind of maybe make sure that, hey, whatever this little boy is going to play, maybe he's got some options. And and and, and I think the Santa same thing that happened to me was how I got into NASCAR was playing the old NASCAR heat game on the PC. Uh, I think that was like 2000 or 2001. And Alan Beswick was in the video game. Uh, and that's what got me pulled in. Like, I'm like, playing that game like i want to watch this now oh absolutely the video games pulled me in and like racing countless hours running championships and season i think that's what inspired my like infatuation with numbers and stats with the sport is that game could track points and 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 best finishes and all that kind of stuff and and i think for me what's full circle on it tyler is what my favorite car and i, I think i've shown you guys on this podcast i don't have it with me right now but that number seven Phillips Ford Taurus driven by Jeff Bodine, Matei Motorsports, the 1998 season. That car was in the game. And I raced as Jeff Gordon. I raced as David Green, Bobby Labonte, Dale Earnhardt. But I raced that Jeff Bodine car a lot. I'm pretty sure that was the one I, I levitated towards the most. And you fast forward all these years later, and I've gotten to work with him on some pretty cool stuff. And in, in, in his book that's coming out here pretty soon, we're going to get to announce some more on that. We, we have some really good updates coming up on that. So – it just comes full circle. And for a kid from Grants, New Mexico, a small 9,000 population mountain town where motorsports is not big. This is not an NASCAR town. Everybody here is a Dallas Cowboy or UNM Lobo football or basketball fan. So to, to be involved in a sport from a, a place where it typically wouldn't be the breeding ground, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know me, man. I got to be different on everything. And, and even my story of how gotten to be in this sport is just different for most, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> uh, a meetup at Kansas Speedway in 2014. I don't know if y'all know this, but Tyler and I, that's how we met at the 2014 NASCAR Kansas Fall Race. And so we got assigned to sit next to each other. Yes. And, uh, Dominic was 
was very friendly, maybe a little too friendly. I thought he was a little overambitious. I'm like, what's what's with this guy? Um, and he brought all his cronies, and uh, you know, we we connected on you know social media, exchanged phone numbers, whatever, and and uh, here we are. We've been friends ever since, and uh, you know, then several years later, we uh, we met David, and uh, I think the you know I, I had run into David at the racetrack in passing before but the first time we i sat down and got to really know him was uh the year after kyle bush won his second championship we went to dinner that night at the olive garden and uh david he picked up the tab with his uh olive garden gift cards oh absolutely i, I was telling tyler we we're all there covering the championship weekend and said hey it's the end it's gonna be off season so i said we got invited to dinner with the driver and and Tyler's like, who is it? I said, David Starr. And his eyes gave me, he's like, okay, all right. So like, we finish up our work. And Marcus Salino, Sherry Eaton, may she rest in peace. And one of my old high school buddies, Dennis Molares, the six of us, we go to Olive Garden. I'll throw that picture up here on the, if you're watching the YouTube version, that's from the Olive Garden dinner. We had the waiter. I, I Man, the waiter looked like, was it Brian Kozlowski or some driver, Tyler? But we had a good time that night. I remember he was a Chiefs fan. Yes. And he was so excited when I told him I covered the Chiefs. Absolutely. And that Olive Garden was the closest to the racetrack. And we probably spent two hours there visiting with David and just catching up with everybody. We all had early morning flights out of Fort Lauderdale that next Monday Except morning. Except me. I actually ended up watching the Chiefs play the Chargers on an airplane that night uh, <laughs> on my way back uh, from uh, from the race. Uh, that night. So, yeah. That was a fun time. And that, I think, kicked off all this. And, and Tyler and I were starting to tell David right before the pandemic, we should partner up and do something, some 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 sort of property together. And I think you said it best in our first episode, the pandemic, a lot of bad happened in the pandemic. But if there was some good that came out of it, this podcast was one of them. Yeah. Yeah, no question. And, you know, the, the thing for me, like, you know, we were talking to David like, man, he's he's entertaining. He's funny. He's a good guy. And then when I was working at KLWN, there was a uh, the sh a Chevy dealership that was looking for a spokesman, and uh, you know the uh, ad sales rep at the uh, radio station uh, that was represented on my my good friend uh, Janine Kruger. Uh, Janine comes to me, and she's like, "Hey, you know what NASCAR driver that'd be willing to be a spokesman for that?" I'm like, at this point, I barely knew anybody in the sport. I'm like, well, at the time, David was running for a Chevy team. I'm like, well, I can ask David. Um, so I, Ask called, David, I see what you did there. No pun intended, actually. Um, so I call up David. I'm like, Hey, uh, I got this opportunity. You interested? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. You don't even have to pay me for it. Like I, I'd, I'd be glad to do it for free. And it didn't work out. Like, you know, I think the deal kind of fell through, but he was more than willing and everything. And the fact that he was so easy to work with and more than well, I'm like, yeah, we can, that that's our guy that, that that's our guy we should do podcasts with the rest is history from there so absolutely what a great journey this has been the last two and a half years all the great guests we've had on the the camaraderie we've built with this i love telling the story of when we wrapped up there in daytona last year from our live show with, with jacques villeneuve and and david and i are, are finishing up and and you know we lose, use the bathroom we're talking and like finishing up before we leave the racetrack for the night and like, man you know, how, how much longer i want to keep doing this he goes, i want to keep doing this as long as we can buddy yeah and it, it, that night too was was something in its own right. Like you boys, you get out of here. You you got to go downtown. You know you got to enjoy yourself. You know? <laughs> Sounds like David. <laughs> oh, and we did that night uh, with with our buddy Jonathan Feld, who uh, who's one of these days we'll have to we ought to do a whole show just on shenanigans with Jonathan Feld. Oh, definitely, definitely. Oh, people would love that. Yeah, I think so. Uh. Dom, a lot of fun. Just you and I. I don't think we've done a show just you and I. No David, no guests. But we made it through, and we had no shortage of things to talk about today. Oh, absolutely. I, I could sit here and talk with Tyler all day, all night. Yeah, it's it, it's a lot of fun. When, when you're in good company, like people were just sitting in on a normal chat that you and I would have. Oh, yeah, yeah. It just happened to be recording on Zoom. <laughs> exactly. Yes. No. No. No doubt about it. Uh, Don, uh, what's going on with uh, with you this weekend, man? We don't have anybody out of Richmond this week for, for the TRE, but, you know, we'll be covering remotely, and I'll get to spend some time here 
at home with some family and and of course my wife Elise and, and our son Christopher and we've got some friends from New York and some friends from Tennessee coming over the next few days so it's going to be a lot of fun to to spend some time with them how, how about you Tyler what, what do you got going on where's the summer of Jones taking you this weekend um uh, the summer of Jones is still recovering from the week in Phoenix uh but I will enjoy myself this weekend uh one of my buddies my good friend Will Scott is about to move ironically enough to Phoenix so got a going away party for him Friday night and uh we'll be going to and then uh can I go see uh our friend uh Mr. Wooten uh from the Steve Miller band on Sunday night so oh and I, I gotta follow up with you on the show here he did say to, to reach out and have you guys been in touch before getting out there uh no I need to uh, that reminds me I do need to reach out to him and you'll get that get my ticket you know go so yeah be fun and we're working on that theme song for this show so hopefully we have that rolled out here pretty soon yeah yeah that'd be great so we will uh sign off and uh we will see you all back here next week david will be back uh make sure to follow us on social media uh facebook twitter uh also by email uh star podcast on facebook and twitter david star podcast at gmail.com is where you can find us there Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week, wherever you're listening to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And we will see you right back here next week for Dominic Olegon, as well as David Starr. Tyler Jones, thanks so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.